Will Bohemian Rhapsody rock the box office? We have Boyer Race reviews, and Disney goes a little nutty this weekend. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. Champions. We are the champions right here at LAOFCS Weekly, episode 13. We are back. We were sorry we weren't here last week. We wanted to have a nice Halloween, so we took an extra few days off. So joining me this week, we have a brand new face to the show this week, Mrs. Nikki Novak! <laughs> I love that intro. Thank you. You're welcome. I need you to come everywhere with me now and just do that before I enter a room. Nikki Novak is here in the house! <laughs> yes. And... Rama. Oh, Rama. <laughs> and, and, and I'm Rama. And um, Rama Screen is my website. And uh, that's that's my website. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Scott. <laughs> thank you, so, thank you for, to be back. If I'm feel, I feel really grateful. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Mm. And I love having you guys on. Mm. And um, Nikki, Nikki will, has opened up her schedule, so she'll be hosting or coming on co-hosting. A few more times now, yes. so I'm very happy about that. Well, look, that. don't say that till the end. You might want, want, not want oh. to have me back. <laughs> we'll see. Listen, not to, you know, not to give out and shut out to another network, but our president Scott Mance does a show. You were on there twice yeah. on Collider. You were wonderful on Thank there, you. and we are so lucky to have you as not only part of the show. But a member of our organization. I love so. being a member. You guys are amazing. Oh, we love yeah. having you. Yeah, it's a nice like family. You get that, and you work your butt off. You I really try. Do. I try. <laughs> I try. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. Uh, how this is going to work? We're going to actually skip over the second segment, which is going to be indie spotlight, because we decided that this week, since there's so many movies coming out and there's so much talk about Oscar season now, that we're going to dedicate more of this episode towards Oscar movies and maybe one movie that's not so Oscar worthy. Um, but we're going to talk about the new releases and then we will reveal which one of these new releases will be the movie pick of the week. Then we're going to jump into Retro Rewind, which we're going to talk about an older film that we want to recommend. And then finally, we're going to talk about Best Actress nominations or predictions we're going to talk about all so all right so how this how this uh ballot's looking this week is um you know despite the critic reviews on uh, a sister station of yours mrs nikki novak yes um it seems like our group disagrees with the critical score of bohemian rhapsody yeah uh it is the most voted on movie this week. Is and, it really? Yes, it is. Oh, wow. And uh, everyone else did not have any comparison in terms of numbers. So uh, congratulations to Bohemian Rhapsody. You are the movie pick you of the, the week. <laughs> yes. Rami Malek and company is a champion. So, uh, Nikki, let's start with you. What were your initial thoughts on Bohemian Rhapsody? So I, it was interesting because I covered, um, they did this whole experience in Vegas for a bunch of press where we got to fly in a private jet and we got to see, first we saw 30 minutes of the film. So that was sort of my entry into watching it was I saw certain scenes. So, you know, I'm sure you've had this happen where you see it. And so it's already sort of been set up in your mind. And I just... I thought this movie had so much joy, and I think I, I'm I'm truly baffled by why the score is as low as it is. Yeah, me too. 
because I don't know whether it's the Brian Singer thing or whether people are just, we're expecting something else. I think when they hear Queen, maybe people wanted more of that indie feel and get really dark and gritty. And that's not what this is. This movie is a celebration. Rami Malek is so fantastic in this. I mean, he just embodies. But not only that, there's just a likability about him as a person, as an actor. And he's a true actor. And I think the way the way that the band sort of comes together in the film, and, it, and it's less of, and yeah, you have the drama and you have his personal drama, but I just thought they did a fantastic job. I, I, I fully enjoyed every moment of it. And then the Live Aid performance at the end, it was a bold choice to have it just sort of play out in real time and just sort of copy it. And I don't know if you guys did the same thing, but the second the movie ended, I went to my car and YouTube the actual Live Aid performance and went, wow. Yes. And I, and I thought that was a different choice for a film. I, I like that they did that. I like that they went there. Okay, enough of me. Go ahead. <laughs> no, that, that was perfect. Um, I've been a Queen fan forever, uh, as, as you all are. And, you know, I'm sure you've heard that Sasha Baron Cohen wanted to make uh, this this one yes. first. Yeah. But his idea was too much, you know, I don't know, I heard there's too much R-rated, trying to explore more of Freddie's dark side. You know, when Roger Taylor and, and, and the band wanted to make it be about them and the music, you know, instead of just that one focus. So I'm glad they went with this direction. I feel like so hopeful and inspired after watching the film. You know, it's like so joyous, mm-hmm. such a great celebration, like you said. And um, and Rami is just perfect. Not only does he yeah. look the part, man, he 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 got that essence of Freddie Mercury down pat, like I, like as if I was watching Freddie Mercury on, on that screen. I think it's fantastic. It, um, I know after uh, A Star Is Born, or even though the uh, concert scenes would look organic in that one, you know, coming to a CG green screen concert in li- uh, the the movie Bohemian Rhapsody is kind of like, oh, I could kind of tell the difference now. Uh, but it still, it doesn't take me away. I, I feel like I'm part of that sea of audience in that live aid. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you guys. I think, yeah. you know, Nikki, you pointed this out. My my thing is with reviews is that what I've seen and I read is that people are looking for a different movie than this movie is. And mm-hmm. they're trying to judge this movie based on that. They're like, oh, this is not what I wanted. This is not what I was expecting. And what people are forgetting is that this is not a movie about Freddie Mercury. This is a movie about the band Queen. Mm. So, yes, Freddie Mercury is a big part of that. And for most of the runtime, we get most of Freddie Mercury's story. Do they dive as deeply into his sexual you know, stuff? No. But do we really need that? And this is not that type of movie. We would have an art house movie that would do something like that. Right. Maybe a documentary would do something like that, but this is not the mainstream 20th Century Fox movie that you know people would go out to see. And what I think so many people are forgetting is that right now we live in a period of time where everything is dark and gloomy. And this movie is very hopeful. Yeah. Like you, you mentioned, uh, you as well, Rama. Like this is a very hopeful. It's a very happy film. Does some stuff happen? Does the movie feel a little formulaic at times? Yes, it's beat by beat. Like you know, the band gets in. You know, they get upset. They yell at each other. They break up for a short period of time, but. That's every rock and roll story. Like, the reason why they're formulaic is because that's how the story plays out. Mm-hmm. Does it d- dive as deeply as it should at certain times? Probably not. But for the runtime of this movie and for what the movie was going for, I think it delivers the goods. Yeah. And, and, yeah, go ahead. Um, and this is not really a review, but I did talk to the remaining members of Queen. Yeah. Mm. In Vegas. 
And first of all, I asked them, you know, this took 10 years for you guys to make. Are you happy with the product? They were still putting final touches on the movie, yeah. but I could tell they were genuinely happy with it. They weren't yeah. just like, oh, we're just happy that our, you know, they really felt connected to it. They really felt they were a part of it. And they just, they told me the most interesting story because, and this isn't a spoiler, but in the beginning when they first meet yeah. Freddie Mercury, there's, I forget which one of them makes fun of his mouth, his yes, teeth. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was one of my favorite scenes in the movie because he comes back with sort of a cheeky comment. And yeah. I said, did that actually happen? And he said, well, I didn't actually say that and I would never have made fun of him. But for dramatic effect, they wanted it in the movie. He said, one thing you didn't see, which I thought was so sweet, was that he said, when Freddie first sang for us, he was so painfully shy. He could barely stand on a stage. He was not the showman that he became. And that's why I think it's such an incredible story and why it should be celebrated. Because yeah. he was one of the greatest showmen, one of your favorite movies. Yes. <laughs> of, all, of all time. He just and the way and the way Rami captured that sensitivity. And and like you said, they could have gone down that road of being this dark, sort of more out out house. <laughs> they could have gone that road too. They could have been like an art house film. And and it would have been equally great and 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 fun. But what I like is that different generations can appreciate this movie. I know so many people who want their teens to go see it because they listen to Queen. Like, there's a whole younger generation. And do they really want to see the darkness? No. It's like something that everybody can enjoy. I, I agree. And I think for the success of this movie to have this sort of – I mean, it's already talking about opening at 30 to $35 yeah. million this weekend. Yes. Um, you know, uh, an independent film that just focuses on Freddie Mercury's life – is not going to do that well. It's not going to be that big of a commercial success. But this is going to be a success because this is a type of movie that people are going to rejoice. They're going to keep going to see it over and over again. I don't even want to know what the Blu-ray sales are going to be for this. Yeah. The soundtrack. I mean, I want to do. Well, I did want to talk about that too. Is that are, are you guys upset that Rami Malek didn't sing? Go ahead. Oh no, I'm, I'm not. No, to me. Freddie Mercury is the greatest singer in the in the history of rock music. <laughs> right, right, right. It's like um, I've seen some people try to impersonate him or sound kind of like him, but it's like it will never be Freddie Mercury. So I totally get it, and I'm, I don't mind that it's you know not his voice. It's it's fine by me. Yeah, I think he would have ruined it. And like yeah, you said, he's got an incredible voice. And there was one scene at the beginning where he sort of he sings a cappella, yes, yes, and, yes. and it, and you realize he shouldn't be singing, and he's not a singer. Yeah. And certain films, look, you have Lady Gaga who sings in Star Is Born. She's a star in her own right. <laughs> like she's a singer. So why make Rami Malek try story. to sing like Freddie Mercury? It would have been it would have been ridiculous. Yeah, and I, I, it's funny because I see a lot of that's another thing that I see a lot of criticism about is like, oh, he doesn't sing in the movie. It's like, uh, but who could replace Freddie Mercury? Right. Like it's like it would just be an insult to injury. You know, like it would not work. So yeah. I don't even know why. Anyway. And I think that's you know I ask people this all the time, especially in our group, is because. We have Stars Born, and now we have Bohemian Rhapsody. And I and I asked my wife Ashley right after we saw the movie, "Do you think Bradley Cooper is better? Or do you think Rami Malek's better?" Mm. You guys, what, mm. what do you mean? Well, it's different because Bradley does his own singing, right? right? Yeah, but but, so but, but all that aside, but yeah. he does his own singing. But doesn't this role require so much more of Rami Malek? Like in terms of a performance, and he does his own singing, but he's not being compared to a band that he's trying to imitate, right? Yeah. So it's, it's, I think the best actor category mm. and best director are going to be the two toughest categories this year yeah. at the Oscars. Best actor category is off the charts this year. And there's such different performances. Personally, Bradley Cooper went to a level of acting that I haven't seen in a long time. I think it was he, good. 
was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And so I would give him a slight edge, but it totally different. It's, it's, it really is apples and oranges exactly. in a way. You love that so much you went as Halloween. You went, <laughs> I you did. And I was going to go as the Bradley character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the last minute, I'm like, I don't think I can pull this off. <laughs> I was, uh, was going to say, if I, if I may, um, I think for those of us fans of uh, biopics about music bands, you know, sometimes we, like you said earlier, we expect something like The Doors, you know, where it's uh, Oliver Stone movie, made movie The Doors, but it's about Jimmy Morrison instead of The Doors. Yeah. Um, you know, fortunately, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody is not like that. And like you said, it's about the band. And I, I talked to my friend the other day, why wasn't it titled Queen? Why wasn't it titled, you know, Freddie or whatever? Why Bohemian Rhapsody? It's the perfect title for the movie because yeah. it's the song that when it came out, People hated it. <laughs> I was like, but then they just persisted, and it became a fan favorite years later on. You know, just it's it's an embodiment of rock music. Rock music is about sticking into the man. Rock music about rebelling, and I love that they picked that 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 one Bohemian well, the title. Well, I, I will also talk. I do want to point out this one scene. I mean, the Mike Meyer scene in this movie is, is brilliant. Like, <laughs> exactly. whoever wrote that should get an extra like zero on the paycheck <laughs> yeah. because that was just great. Because not only because it ties into an obvious movie, if you're a film fan, you should know what yeah. movie that is. I'm not going to ruin, ruin it for you if you don't. But just the way that it plays out in the conversation. And I mean, he, you can't tell it's him. Like, you're just like half the time, you're like, who is that? And then, like, there's a little bit of, like, the little hint of, like, Shrek or Fat Bastard in the voice a little bit. You're kind of like, oh, yeah, that's Mike Myers. Yeah. Fellow Canadian. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. But I, I just, I, I just really enjoyed this movie. I think it's a feel great film. And it goes to show you that musicals, you know, whether it's a biopic or just a mu- movie musical like Mamma Me or Greatest Showman, there's audiences for these movies and people want to see them and it's a nice change of pace and we don't get that many of them and they always do well at the box office. Yeah. Well, not always, but usually. And everybody knows that music. Right. No matter what generation you're from, True. everybody knows all those main queen songs that were featured in the film. So, you know, you could bring like a 12-year-old to see it and they can enjoy it and it's something, I think that's important. I think, and what you're saying, and I, same, I'm sure you're the same as me. I'm seeing a ton of screenings right now for award season yes. and a lot of the stuff out there is really dark. And why is it that we always criticize and think things that are lighter are not as good? We somehow always, we always sort of think that they have to be this dark and depressing movie to really have an impact. Right. I agree. What would you give this movie out of 10? 10. <laughs> 10? <laughs> wow. I loved it. I loved yes, it. Yes, I love it. I would watch it again that. and again. 10. How about you, Nikki? I mean, I wasn't going to go that high. I was going to say eight and a half, eight and a half. I'd give it an eight and a half. I yeah. gave it a nine. Yeah, okay. so that's pretty good. So it's like a nine even out here. Yeah. That's really high praise yeah. for this movie. Um, another movie that I, I sung very high praise, but I think Rama has a different opinion <laughs> for, is uh, Boy Erased with uh, Lucas Hedges, Nicole Kidman, Russell Crowe. It's, it's based on a true story about this boy who goes into gay conversion therapy. Um, I saw this at Telluride. Uh, Lucas Hedges, to me, is one of the best young actresses yeah. of this generation. I, yeah. I, I know people love Timothy Chalamet. I, I, I think Tim- Timothy Chalamet is okay, but Lucas Hedges is the shit in my eyes. So, um, well, Timothy Chalamet is more than okay. But you, you, I was a huge uh, yeah, Manchester by the Sea fan, so I'm with yeah, you on oh, that okay, one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But really, he, like, it's like... 
when you look at Call Me By Your Name and you look at um, Beautiful Boy, it's essentially like a lot of the same stuff that he, you know, him crying. It's like the same, even the focus on like him crying and the emotional stuff is very similar in both movies. Well, what I, the person I've compared him to is Leonardo DiCaprio because do you remember when Leo came on the scene? And I'm not talking about Gilbert Grape because that was a total departure from who he is. But there's certain actors, Robert Redford had the same Dane quality. Dane really upset with you right now, just letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> but there's certain actors that can just exist on screen. Yeah. And their mannerisms, everything. And that's why I like Timothy Chalamet, because he's so natural on screen. And I think that's what you're you're picking up on yeah. and you're seeing as a similar thing. His sort of, even between playing a drug addict and not a drug addict, there's certain mannerisms that he's just so good at just being on camera and being captivating. But in terms of like emotional depth and going to different places, maybe that's what, I don't know if that's what you're saying about Lucas, that he sort of has more range. Yes. I mean, I don't know if you've seen Ben is back yet. I mean, even mid-90s, he's not in mid-90s that long, but even his character in there, he's really different. Uh, Manchester by the Sea, oh, uh, even Moonrise it. Kingdom, dating all the way back to yeah. that. I mean, he's just an actor who just has so much range. And he, what I love about him is that he can act without opening his mouth. He could just look at, you know, look at the camera, his eyes do something, and you just feel that sympathy towards his character. And he does that a lot in this movie. Yeah. So, did you, what did you, you can share no, your view. It, it was an important film, and I and I hope it gets seen by everybody because of the subject matter, and you know, um, uh, to to point out how traumatizing and horrifying gay conversion therapy is. So that's it's a movie that everybody needs to see. Uh, but I just feel like it need. I wish that it, the movie had fleshed out more of the relationship and the interaction between the teenagers stuck in the facility. I feel like there's not. I I, I wanted to see more of that. It's like so. When one of them, you know, no spoiler, I guess, you know, something happened to him, like, okay, but we don't get to see Lucas and interacting with him or, you know, there's no camaraderie. And there's, the, the, the film also introduces some of the supporting actors, uh, kind of like pushing them to the, to, to the front, but then pulls them back again. Like, all right, this might be a potential lover or potential something, and then we don't get see it, to see him uh, after that one scene. Interesting. You know, that, that's how I feel. Interesting, because I, I, I agree with you. I yeah. see what you're saying. Is this Joel Edgerton's first directing? No, it's he not. did. He did The Gift, and he did okay. Loving. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a few missed moments in there, a few things that sort of went in one direction and then went into another. But I, I, it's one of my favorite movies of the year. Mine too. I and actually my favorite scene in any movie uh, in of this year was the Nicole Kidman. There's a scene between Nicole and Lucas towards the end that is going to be her tape that she's going to send to all the, <laughs> you know <laughs> that it, that was just it was my gosh like her, the emotion that came out of her but it wasn't too forced it wasn't too much it was so beautiful and it just showed a mother's love for her son and That's that true. camaraderie and I really where it was maybe lacking between the people in the facility mm. I don't know maybe. Because it's based on a true story. If that's the way it really happened, that they were all sort of afraid to talk to each other, and maybe, maybe. that's why you felt that awkwardness. I, I feel like what they were trying to do with this movie, there's been, not a lot, but there's been a few movies that have come out about gay conversion therapy. Um, Cameron Post from earlier yeah. this year. So I, I think back about the comedy, but I'm a cheerleader. It always shows the inside of the groups. And in this one, it was really his personal take on this. And mm-hmm. I felt like it was how... His life was affected, he, so the the people in the group kind of played second fiddle to him. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that was done in a way to make it more personal mm-hmm. and make it feel like it was about him and what he was going through. Um, to comment on your Nicole Kidman scene, I, I, I raise you that scene by the Russell Crowe scene at the end where they're like both going back and forth, and you can just see both of them, and it, it's it's beautifully done. 
neither one of them are crying, but it's just, again, like they're on the verge, both of them. And you can just see how passionately they are speaking to one another. Both those scenes they probably just send in. You're making me cry. I'm actually tearing up thinking about it. See, see, that that father-to-son moment, that's the one that was missing in Beautiful Boy. Oh yeah, the one with, 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 with that. Just, yeah. Nikki has much different opinion on Beautiful Boy. Okay. Yeah, I know she does. Okay. You want to share your opinion on Beautiful Boy? Wait, bro? are you ta- are you talking about something I've said before specifically? I'm just talking. I I watched you on Manson. Oh, show. the timeline. Yeah. is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. I I loved the acting. I I thought they were both great. I thought their interactions were great. But the jumping around of the timeline, it would be different because basically they were jumping from when he was a kid, and that was very clear when he was a kid. But then they were jumping around. When Timothy looked the same and Steve looked the same, there was sort of no physical change. So you're like, hold on. And you had to wait to the scene unfolded to see at what point in the story they were. So it took you, it was jumping around in time and it just, it took me out of the story. And Mance loved that and thought that that was, but I didn't think it was necessary. That movie for me didn't, I mean, and Rama felt the same way. I don't think we got to talk about Beautiful Boy, so why not throw that in? (laughs) We talked about award season anyhow. Uh, I mean, to me, I thought that movie was, I know. And I, I will admit on the, on air today that the comment that he made on the show about the privileged white person, I said that on Facebook. Um, mm. And the thing was about that movie, and I, that was a joke, by the way, but I, it's, of course I know that white people can have problems like this too. But the thing is, is that the movie for me, like, didn't show how anything else mattered in, in their lives. Like it was like, it was just those two and everything else was forgotten. Like they, they show him working at the Rolling Stone. They don't show how this has affected his job. Really. They don't really talk about the, the, the ex-wife character at all that she's kind of pushed to the side. I feel bad for Amy Ryan. She's, she's a great actress. She has nothing to do in the movie. It's just Timothy crying, Steve Carell yelling, and that's really all there all there is. I have to disagree with you. I know, I know. Yeah. But then we had movies like Star is Born, and then we have movies like Ben is Back, which I know you guys haven't seen yet, where it just feels like the world is going on around you, and you're still dealing with addiction and stuff like that. But it's just it's just strange to me for that movie. It just didn't work because it just felt like two people, either one crying, one yelling, and that's all it was. Rama, go ahead. Share so, your share your thoughts. No, no, on no. This. It's interesting. So, beautiful boy, um, <laughs> boy erased, Ben is back. So, this parent and child relationship yes. this season that we have, right, right, either addiction or dealing with uh, sexuality. It's, it's pretty. It's a pretty interesting theme yeah. for our season. I think. That, just want to point out. Yeah. Yeah. What was your? You can share. Oh, share your beautiful your, boy. Yeah. Share, oh. your, share <laughs> well, your view on beautiful well, I, boys I, as we're going. I mentioned that to you. I, I wanted to have that father to some moment that Russell Crowe and Lucas Hedges had. Yeah, in the in the, the, uh, the dealership in the boy race, I, I didn't feel like the the beautiful boy has that. There was just like you know the, that dining room dining scene where they were like, he's just asking for money and he's just like trying to figure him out. It's like okay, but talk, let's talk, guys, let's yeah. talk shit. I feel like it, it doesn't help for that to me, but that's just me. Go ahead. I disagree. <laughs> it was the only movie I've seen this year where the nobody moved after the credits rolled. Everybody sat there for a minute, and it felt to me like they captured something. So heavy and so deep. And what I liked about what they captured and the fact that they didn't have that reconciliation or that moment is real. I I mentioned this on The Man Show. I dated an addict who was supposedly in recovery for six years and found out later he was hiding it from me, from the family. And that dynamic with the family was what I saw, where you can never get to that person because they're shrouded in so many lies covering up the addiction. I mean, this person... 
We'd say, I'm going to a meeting tonight. And we'd say, okay, see ya. And he'd come back and he was not right. a meeting. Wait until you see Ben is back. <laughs> okay. And then you're coming back on the show okay. that week. Because I'm telling you, you'll see. You'll see what I'm talking about. But yeah, I thought it hit an emotional... Yeah. It went to an emotional level that I appreciated. And I liked I I liked what I felt at the end was that there's no resolution. And that's the truth. It's a lifelong mm-hmm. battle. And... You, the person can never really, they don't get over it. Every day is a struggle, even 20 years later, sober, whatever. I know people who have been sober for many, many years, and every day is still a struggle. And I, I like that there wasn't this bow on the end, that sometimes you feel like you can't get to that person. I, and I felt the pain of Steve Carell and how a family member would feel so helpless. Like, he's really stuck. What do you do if you help just going to be a vicious cycle if you step away what if something happens dramatic and then you kick yourself for the rest of your life i thought that they really did a great job of capturing that but the timeline winked winked me (laughs) well thank thank you thank you for bringing that up though that's another perspective that's why i love film reviews because you know i don't have an addict in my life so i can't approach from that angle so uh thank you for sharing that yeah it's interesting because me and ashley both have addicts in our life Mm. and we both felt a disconnect it's it's really strange this is this is this is one of the most polarizing films of the year i Mm. feel like people are really either on board for this or they're totally not on board for this it's it's very strange and i'm sorry lucas hedges that we uh you know hijacked boy erased to talk about (laughs) talking about beautiful boy but um real quick uh boy erased uh rating go ahead Oh out, of, out of ten, right? Yep. I'm gonna give it. Uh, I'm gonna give it an eight and a half too. I'm gonna keep it at the same level as Bohemian. Yeah. Uh, I'll be kind. Seven. Seven. Seven out of ten. I gave it. I gave it a nine. Okay. So my God, we're just voted the same thing. That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I did not see Bodied. Did anyone see Bodied? No. No. Okay. Moving uh, on. Moving on. <laughs> uh, Disney goes a little nutty with Nutcracker in the Four Realms. Uh, I don't think that any of us really have that much to say, but we'll say it briefly. Uh, I just want to say that I thought this movie was a mess. And it's it's slightly better than Wrinkle in Time, but not much. Interesting. <laughs> oh, uh, I actually enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I mean, but it's still, it's uh, that old concept again. It's just so tiring, you know, going, going through the wardrobe, going to another realm, you know, rescue that realm. <laughs> I was like, oh, but then they put Tchaikovsky in it. That's, but then again, nah, not to take away from Misty Copeland's amazing ballet dance. Uh, but I feel that I feel was like, just shoehorned in the movie. Exactly. It's so out of place. Yeah, no, I don't argue with you. Yeah, exactly. So that's all it is. That's all they, the movie has to me. Um, the rest are just old concept recycled. But you know, it has its charms. I think it's gonna hit its target audience. So what, what the hell? <laughs> you know, it's interesting because I think this is a film. That the acting was very simple. Even though you have Kieran Knightley, you have Morgan Freeman, you have Helen Mirren, it was kept very simple. And I think what they were doing is making a movie for kids. This is not a movie mm. that the parents go to like The Incredibles and there's the adult <laughs> humor in there and the kid humor in there. This is a movie for kids. And when I watched it, I mean, visually, can we say how spectacular it was? Some it was, parts. It was wonderful. It was some wonderful. parts. I thought they, top, really? top to end, I thought it was spectacular. I thought but some I, of it was like the CGI was really bad. I didn't notice. I think the 10-year-old girl in me appreciated <laughs> all the pink and all the glitter and the sugar plum fairy. I will say that Kiara Knightley is amazing in the movie. Oh she's gosh. like by far, she's the best thing about the movie in my opinion. Uh, I would love to have a cotton candy for hair. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting you point that out, Nikki. I think, you know, they, they came in 
with Wrinkle in Time, I don't know if you saw this at the Disney Line, and they had Ava come in mm-hmm. and said that this is a movie made for yes. like 10 to 13-year-olds. It's for kids. And that's very much how I felt about that movie, like where I felt like if you were over a certain age, you really couldn't appreciate it. And maybe that's the case with this too. I think with Disney movies, when you hear Disney, you hear Marvel, you hear Pixar, you assume that it's going to be a movie for everybody. It's going to be this massive success across the board, $100 million opening, that kind of thing. And so when it's not, when it's more specific, I think people go, wait, what what about me? That's not for me. So, I mean, I, like I said, 10-year-old girl in me. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah, it's got to hit its target audience, definitely. <laughs> uh, you want to do a rating real quick on that? Oh, out of 10? Uh, five. Five. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I have a really hard time giving scores. Oh, my gosh. I'll give it an eight. Oh, that is generous. That is generous. Um, I did not see Private War, but you two did, right? Yes. Go ahead, share a little bit about that. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I loved it. Um, I, I think here's the thing. <laughs> I want to put it in this context. I'm not going to make it too, uh, rambling too long, but I hate the concept of White House Correspondent Dinner, where politicians and press having dinner together, cozying up. Every year they do it. And so this movie reminds us, like, hey, this is what true journalism is. You know, not supposed to be cozying up with the people who are, you know, powerful people. You're supposed to hold them accountable. And so I, I, we need movies like more movies like this. Um, I, the, Marie Colvin is an interesting character, and Rosamund Pike really embodies her. She disappears in that in that Marie Colvin like chain smoking, heavy drinking, American eye patch wearing. It's fantastic. I think she's gonna get nominated for this. Um, if she doesn't, I would be completely shocked. <laughs> but uh, yeah, back to the journalism again. Um, it's so frustrating when we see the media right now being stenographers. You know, the the, for example, the press secretary would be like, "Okay, here's what happened," and then they just regurgitate or just like, "Okay, here's what they told me to say." No, uh, people like Marie Colvin, people like Glenn Greenwald, they're the guys who are out there out there in the field finding what exactly happened. Um, here's what the powerful people. Uh, here's what they do with with your tax money and in your name. And here are the people who are affected by that policy. And so that's what journalism is supposed to be. Not you know, reading off teleprompter, not, <laughs> not the stenographers. So uh, thank you. Thank you for a private war. And it's going to be on the same level as um, all the president's men, the post spotlight and uh, movies that actually depict true, not, not, you know, anything other, but true journal- journalism. Mm. Yeah, go ahead. Um, well, I got invited to the screening and really didn't even know what it was about. I just sort of it was a last minute thing. Let's go see it. They were doing a and a And I, I've rarely seen a, a movie about war that depicted it so realistically. And it's because he is a war. The director is a war documentarian. And that's, he, th- that's what he does. And Rosamund Pike, to me, should be a front runner for Best Actress. Hands down. She's she's fantastic in this movie. And, you know, if you did the same thing as me and Googled Marie Colvin after and looked at her whole story and... It's compelling and it's unbelievable what you see and it just makes you go, even though we have so much going on in our country, how lucky every single one of us are that we live in a basically peaceful country, basically, compared to what you see. Yes. And it, she she's just phenomenal. She's a powerhouse. She's an undeniable force of nature in this movie and it was very personal for, for all of them in the Q&A after, you know, 
everybody was just stunned. Um, really well done. I'm just I'm shocked at how little talk this movie has. And that's my fear. I think I think with what's going on in the world right now, mm. I think people aren't necessarily. Same thing happened with the Michael Moore movie. People aren't seeking it yes. out in the theater. They're like, I get enough of it on TV. I don't want to go be depressed in the theater. I want to go escape. Mm. And they don't, this is really flying under the radar. And I'm afraid for award season that there's not going to be enough. It's not going to have the buzz necessary yeah. to get the nominations and the attention. And it's a small studio too. Yeah. That's, I mean, I, they invited me. I think there was two or three screenings that I got invited to. They just never lined up, but I'm going to go either this weekend or try this week coming up to go see this because everyone who I talked to really loved this, especially Rosamund Pike. Everyone said that she's incredible in this film, so I need to see this because I think over the last couple of years, she's really proven she is a great actress. So I'm looking forward to seeing this. And to uh, Nikki's point, uh, also, um, uh, like like you said, the, the, the war scenes, the conflict scenes, Man, I f- when I was screening it, I felt like the bullets are flying at me. <laughs> I was like, it was just so, so visceral and immersive. I love it. Yeah. Rating? Um, I want to give eight. Eight out of ten. Eight and a half. There I'm you go. Terrible just, at just go ahead. Eight I'm and a half. Eight, eight and a half. Nikki, board. eight and a half, girl. Well, then I just. <laughs> I, I feel like we're then comparing them, like by saying one's an eight and a half, one's an eight, and sometimes you know, we're, all yeah, these films know. are so different. It's very hard. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, it's funny because we're so like as critics, right? I mean, this there's we're like almost forced to always give a rating for yeah. something. Rotten Tomatoes, right? It's always like, what's the rating out of out of a hundred? You know, and then like everything is it a B? You know, Mans does the B thing, and then other people do how many stars? It's, it's just, I I hate it too because sometimes like the nine for Bohemian Rhapsody is different than the nine for Boy Erased. Exactly. Like it's it's a totally different nine. Yeah. You know, nine for enjoyable, nine for important. Agreed. So. Um, since we're we're talking about all these movies, and we, you mentioned it a couple times, we're just going to do the best actress before we do the retro rewind. So, um, before we talk about the ones that everyone's talking about, is there any person on this list who you feel like you would want to be talked about in award season that's not being talked about? Well, Elsie right Fisher, we yeah yeah for eighth mm, grade, I agree. And look, it's gonna it's another tough category this year, so. I haven't really seen her in anything else. So, you know, sometimes you have to compare performances yes. to say, was this really a stretch for her? I want to see her in something else. I don't know if she'll, if she's too young, if the film sort of came out too early that she'll get any buzz, but I thought she was terrific. I think she's great. I have the name who I'm actually really upset it's not on here, and I butcher her name every time, uh, Amanda Steinberg. Yeah. Oh. Uh, for Hate hey You Give. Which mm-hmm. I think she is just incredible in that movie. Do you remember her in Hunger Games? Yes, <laughs> I know. Yes, little Rue. I've been wait- and I've been waiting for her to have a breakout performance since then. And I mean, she's taken on all these like projects that haven't really went anywhere, like The Darkest Minds. And I saw her in this, and I remember like she's just such a powerhouse in this film. And that's that's an interesting film for me because it's told from a younger perspective. There's so many m- movies now where we're talking about like race wars and things of that nature. But to kind of see it from a teenage perspective, I think that's what makes that movie oh, so yeah. special and so different. Agree. Yeah. Agree. But yeah, I just it's weird that she's not mentioned on anyone's list. I mean, that movie in general, I feel like it's being horribly overlooked 
in a lot of different categories. It was one of, I thought it was one of the best movies of the year. Me too. Yeah. But maybe again, kind of hopeful, maybe too light. I don't know. And then all these, you know, major actresses are coming out with these very dark and dramatic films this fall. So I think that's why, you know, it's maybe people think it's too cotton candy, but it's, I, I that's sometimes it's hard to act as the other stuff. Yeah. Speaking of which, Nicole Kidman is on this list uh, for Destroy. Did anybody see that? I haven't. I'm seeing it on Monday. I haven't. Yeah. So I will just say briefly that I think Nicole Kidman is really good in Destroyer. I think the movie itself is not that great. I think it, it's a very dark movie. It's very predictable where it's going to go. Um, but she kind of disappears into this character because, you know, makeup. You know, and oh. it's very similar to like Gary Oldman or even, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody with um, Rami Malek. But I, I don't think this movie elevates her as much as it should, but her performance is great. So, but I know a lot of people are talking about this. The movie that I have not seen, I don't, I, I don't know if anyone's at this table has seen, and I'm surprised that everyone has this so high up there is Glenn Close. Well, because I think the people that have seen it have just said she should win, or she's going to win because of her body of work and because this mm. film is so. I think the people who have seen it have feel so passionate about it. That's why we all, it's all on on everybody's radar. It's just strange because, yeah. like, I, I don't know that many people have seen it. I haven't seen it, but if she wins, I'm all for it. <laughs> it's a long time coming, you know? It's been a long time coming. Um, Lady Gaga for A Star is Born, obviously. I mean, when I saw this mo- when I saw that movie at TIFF, I was just like, mm. just, you know, give her a nomination now. Can they just give a, an award for Best On-Screen Duo, or is that too MTV? That's too <laughs> yeah, MTV. Those two together is what, what, to me, the magic was, uh, yes. is, is watching real love on screen instead of you know most of the time you feel the relationship people have chemistry or they yeah, don't right but the characters fell in love i'm yeah. not talking about them personally but those characters in that movie fell in love with next week other. you'll hear at the end of the award season they'll be like N- they are in a relationship lady gaga <laughs> is now dating bradley cooper <laughs> exclusive now three weeks early um um, melissa mccarthy is getting a lot of love for mm-hmm. can you ever forgive me um this one i don't get I'll be honest, I don't get Kind of with you on that one. I thought she was great. I didn't love the film. And I think it was more because of the subject matter. I thought the person, I thought there was sort of no redemption and sort of no, you know, she was caught forging these letters and didn't really feel sorry for it. And and so I think when we're doing a film about some, you know, we do a film about Freddie Mercury, you're like, that was a life. Like that was, yeah. and maybe I just don't know enough about her real story, but it was just... I just kind of didn't understand. I didn't feel for her. But what was so special about the performance? That's that's what I'm like looking at. When I watch this movie, it, it feels like a combination of a couple other Melissa McCarthy performances, like a little bit of St. Vincent performance in there, a little tone back of her comedic side. You know, she's she's good at playing this sarcastic, snarky character. So it just it just kind of seemed like a combination of a couple different characters that she played. I didn't feel like this was anything new that we haven't seen before from her. Yeah, I find it pretty dull, the movie itself. Yeah, yeah and um, perform her performance. I think she. I've seen her much better in even the, the comedy movies that she did yeah. as opposed to this one. Like Spy? Like, yeah. like she has range in Spy. Like at first she's like this like little cat lady and then she becomes a badass. Like I don't, I don't know. Well, I, I think it's going back to that thing again. Let's reward the dark performance instead uh, of rewarding, yeah. you know, because it's kind of a departure even though those other movies you're discussing are smaller films. She's not as well known. She, but she was nominated for Bridesmaids. Yes, 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 that's true, that's true. I I liked the, I really liked the performance. I thought she was great. I just didn't care for the person's 
personal journey and story. And right. that's just Agreed. a that's just a interesting choice. Yeah. Interesting. Um, there is also talk about Olivia Coleman in The Favorite, who, in my opinion, <laughs> I would say. I don't know. Ding, her, ding, ding. Her, and, her and Lady Gaga, for me, are like the two frontrunners up there. Yeah. If we're going off everyone's list online. I just... I haven't agree? seen the, I haven't seen the You didn't yet. see it? No, not yet. Oh, yeah. uh, you should definitely see it. Yeah. You should definitely see it. If, if nothing else for how wicked and wild that movie is. That, I mean, it's just insane. <laughs> it is my second favorite movie of the year. What's your Sweet. first? Star is Born. Oh, okay. So cli- <laughs> it's so cliche already. <laughs> Star is Born is your favorite movie. Really, yeah. Nikki? <laughs> yeah. But it is so twisted, and she is a petulant child, and Blue pulls it off. And I'm, you know, actors, I'm sure worry sometimes is my character going to be likable? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She didn't care. No, she did not. <laughs> she no. did not care. I mean, in terms of acting and the levels, I think it's a. It's a step up from Lady Gaga. I think she just has certain levels because she's been an actress for so long. Yes. And she can just go to emotional depths. And it was that type of a role. Not saying Lady Gaga is not capable of it. Um, but, oh my gosh. I think the thing that she's going to have working against her, though, is it's a little bit confusing. Because it's kind of a Emma Stone story. She's sort of the central character. And yet they're pushing Olivia for lead actress. If she was in supporting, she'd win. Yes. Oh, I know. She'd win. But they're being making the bold choice. And I think maybe because she stood out in the movie, they're just, they put you know, Rachel Weiss and Emma Stone into the supporting category and pushed her to lead. But it's not really... I, is she a lead? I don't know. I mean, she could sort of float it in between supporting and lead. If you me. were to if you were to ask me after seeing that movie, I would say Emma Stone's lead. Right. The story really, it's her story. It's from her, not her perspective, but she's sort of the focal point that they all rotate around. Yeah. So, yeah. It's very it's very strange how they, they're pushing that one. Um I'm going to butcher this name, so I'm going to let Rama say it, the actress from uh, Roma. Oh, Yalitza Aparicio? There you go, Aparicio. said it much better than I would have. Can you say it five times fast? I can't. (laughs) Um, Did you see Roma? I haven't, Monday. Okay. No, sorry, tomorrow. Tomorrow, okay. Uh, Rama, you think? Loved it. One of the best movies of the year. Alfonso Cuaron is a maestro at storytelling. And I think this is... He did the, the DP himself, right? Yeah. Not Lubezki. No. <laughs> so, it's so unique. It's so interesting the way the camera moves. I loved it. Do you yeah. think the, Do you think oh, she for, has a chance, though? I, I don't know if she has a chance, but she's wonderful. I Lo- love her performance in this one. So, I... Um, I don't know. I don't know what the chances here. I can't make the prediction. It's a hard. It's a hard sell. I think yeah. because, first of all, Roma is very much a cinephile movie. I feel don't you don't you agree? Very like good. I don't very think the so. casual moviegoer is going to be like you know what I want to go see this weekend. Roma. It's, <laughs> and it's two and a half hours long. Yeah, two and a half hours yeah, long. And if you can make it through the fifteen minute water throwing scene <laughs> in the beginning of the movie, um, you know, I think people are going to turn that off on Netflix. In all fairness. Um, but I agree. Like she's she's an unknown, so she's kind of like the underdog this year. Yeah. And uh, is she the one that was not an actress before. This right. is her first. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Which sometimes the Academy likes that. I stuff. know. Yeah. It's kind of hard to see. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Viola Davis, of course, is in the conversation. I feel like every time Viola Davis <laughs> is in a movie, her mouth. Yeah, she's in the running. <laughs> uh, did you see what else? I haven't seen it yet, oh, so I can't oh even weigh in. But I love Nikki. Her. You're a little behind. I'm behind. I'm, I'm the last one, the only person, the only critic that hasn't seen Widows yet. It just hasn't worked out. But dying to see it. Sounds like my kind of movie for sure. Loved it. It wasn't a. It was not a perfect heist drama, but loved the performances. It was you a think, performance. You think, but you think Viola? Adobella? I think she has a chance. 
I, I disagree. Yeah. I think You're that saying Ali- there's a chance. I, I yep. think I think Elizabeth Debicki is the one who okay. should be getting the supporting actress nod. She's good in that too. And, and and I think she's the I mean, Viola Davis is great. I love Viola Davis, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but I've seen Viola Davis better. Yeah. That's all I'm gonna say. All right. So that's our Oscar predictions for Best Actress. And then we have Two minutes and 46 seconds left oh my on gosh. the show. So we're going to run through. Uh, we do our retro rewind picks. Uh, Rama, so let's start with you. All right, real quick. It's Superman, the movie starring Christopher Reeve. It's coming to the 40th anniversary Blu-ray, I think November 6th. I'll be buying that. Um, <laughs> it's one of my, my, my favorite movies of all time, and it's my favorite superhero of all time. Superman is better than Batman in every way possible. <laughs> and uh, even though people always make fun of me, hey, Rama, what's with that ending with Superman going, you know, flying back in time like that? It's like, so what? It's a movie. It's, it's, it's great. It's powerful, romantic. I can relate to Clark Kent because I was a bumbling idiot who can't talk to the girls I liked to when I was growing up. So this is, this is a, the perfect movie, superhero movie for me. Yeah, go ahead. Instead of doing a review, I want to ask if you can talk to girls now. <laughs> um, Still can't. <laughs> um, he tries. He tries. Seen it? I see. Fails miserably. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. And Joe gets I seen him. <laughs> I'm going to watch you from now on. Thank you. <laughs> I'll tell you something when we stop rolling. Okay, okay. It'll make it so easy for you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Um, so mine was Lost in Translation. I know every time we do a movie critic pick or anything like that, it's always, Nikki's going to pick Lost in Translation. I love it. I love it. I love it. I think it's a perfect film. Every time I get on a plane, I have an overseas, I have a ritual that I have to watch Lost in Translation. And every time I think, I'm not going to get into it again. It's going to be like, how many times can I see it? I find something new in it every time. I love nuanced performances if we're talking about like stars born and that chemistry what a beautiful relationship they had on screen and scarlett johansson's mullet is a thing of legends that's where i'm leaving it <laughs> there you go i, I want to just say that i completely agree with that i i think loss in translation is hands down sofia coppola's best film it is my favorite performance by scarlett johansson and in terms of bill murray when it comes to the dramedy performance i don't think he's done a better performance they seem like two pairings that don't belong together, and they just work magic together. And it's a beautiful story. It, it highlights Tokyo, kind of like this fish-out-of-the-water story. And just the chemistry between those two is just so legendary and just beautiful. It's like, just a beautiful yeah, love story. It's not a conventional, oh, no. are they going to do it, or, or they didn't, or they did It's just <laughs> like it's a different type of relationship you hadn't seen on screen before, I think. And his smile at the end, oh my gosh. So what, what, what does she whisper to him, real quick? My answer is, it doesn't matter, because it is all there. So it sort of doesn't matter what he says. And I know when you Google it and you YouTube it, you can hear what he says, because they actually turn up the audio. But in my opinion, yeah. What does he say? You know what? I forget. (laughs) (laughs) Because the point is, it doesn't really matter what he says to her. Okay. I think. In my opinion, it doesn't, because you kind of feel... I like the ambiguity of it, but I kind of feel like... Everybody's got YouTube it now. We got YouTube. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. We'll do it afterwards. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Uh, and I'm going to pick a very random movie that's on Amazon Prime streaming. It's something that I grew up with, and I'm sure neither one of you have. Maybe you've seen it, Rama, but I know, Nikki, you didn't see it. Let's see. Uh, it's it's called Clifford with Martin <laughs> Short and Charles Grodin. Wait. Yes. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> The dinosaur? Oh, my God. (laughs) Stefan. Stefan. I watched this movie as a kid. It was weird. It was like, I I think it came out in 94. 
And I remember it was when we had VHS tapes and it was like a movie that bombed horribly. And I would have my parents go out to the video store every week and I would quote it. It's like, Uncle Martin, can we go to Dinosaur Land? <laughs> and I just, it, it's so creepy because like Martin Short plays a 10-year-old kid and he so looks like a 10-year-old kid. <laughs> it's, it's so creepy. Um, and, and it's just, it's, it's like this... Uh, demented story about this kid who's demented and the uncle like he drives him crazy and it's so wild and and silly and just strange and i know people it's either people love this movie or they hate this movie and there's (laughs) nobody in between but i love this movie i i remember i I will say this on the air because i can say it now is that i remember i watched that movie so many times that i got a dual vcr so i can copy it and (laughs) make a copy so my parents wouldn't have to keep watching it because that's when videotapes were like a hundred dollars a pop who had who had a hundred dollars to blow on a vhs tape that's Um, amazing oh my god dinosaur land yes uncle martin yes Is that your favorite dinosaur movie of all time? <laughs> no, I still love Jurassic Park. <laughs> Jurassic Park, the first one. Oh, my God. Man, 93, 94, the 90s were just a great time. So were the 80s. 80s and 90s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They just don't make movies like that anymore. I don't know if it, it... Do you think that's because we're, like, older now? That, like, we look at, like, the 80s and the 90s as that, that, that heyday of film where, like... There's so few movies that come out nowadays that you want to revisit over and over again. Like, I can't tell you the last movie where I would watch over and over again. I I have several, but I think I think a lot of it is when you're a teen or whatever age you were, you just you feel you feel a connection to stuff and it stays with you and so it has that special resonance that maybe, you know, and we see so many films, but I also think they're making less romantic films and less films about relationships, like true relationships. Yeah. And I think the 80s and 90s there was a lot of that and I think so you know it's like the superhero stuff and other stuff is selling animated that kind of thing so maybe that's it's the sort of the sweetness and the intimacy that we're sort of like gone away from yeah I agree my favorite movie is Eros actually the 70s but that's another topic for another time okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think Anthony's gonna kill us if we keep going Uh, so right now uh, just as we end the show uh, tell tell everyone where they can find you where they can find your work Um, so I'm a correspondent for Fandango, so all my interviews and that are up at Fandango.com and at Nikki Novak on Instagram and Twitter. And yeah, you can find me on YouTube, youtube.com slash Ramascreen1, and also Ramascreen on Twitter and Facebook. And I am at We Live Entertainment or on Twitter and Instagram at the other Scott M. See you next week. Thank you so much for watching. Like, comment, and subscribe to the show. Bye. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.